Hi, everyone. I'm Lewis Jackson. I'm a lay speaker here at Noonan First United Methodist Church, and I'd like to welcome you to the March 22nd Connect service. Um, let me start by saying that this, this format is not how God's people are supposed to meet together for worship. Um, it probably does not feel natural for you to have to watch someone preaching a sermon. I guarantee you it doesn't feel natural for me to be speaking to a camera instead of to the faces of my brothers and sisters in Christ. But God is in the midst of this. He's making it happen in spite of everything that's going on, and he's still in control. I'd like to start with a word of prayer, so would you join me, please? Almighty God, I echo the words of our opening song when I ask that you let your breath come from heaven. Fill our hearts with your life. Lord, we are here for you, and you, God, are our one desire. I thank you for inspiring people to create the technology that allows us to come together even in a manner like this. I thank you for my brother Nick, who has the gifts to make it happen here for this church, and I thank you for the praise team who leads us in a spirit of worship. And I especially thank you for your Holy Spirit that unites us as one church. May my words be your words. Amen. Well, if you've heard me preach and connect before, you know that I frequently work in my favorite comic strip called Pearls Before Swine, and today is no exception. So I'm going to start with one of those. You see the first panel, the morning ritual, and see if this sounds familiar to you. First of all, pig is waking. It's momentary bliss that a new day begins. Then, recollection of the current state of the world, and then retreat. It's funny, that was published two years ago, but it feels totally relevant right now, doesn't it? With all that's going on, I've seen a bunch of preachers out there, some very good ones, preaching messages on fear and how believers are supposed to respond to this crisis we're dealing with right now, how we're not supposed to have fear, we're supposed to trust in God. I've seen memes, videos, and all kinds of things that speak to this with the perfect Bible verses that do it, and they're right, and all of those messages are outstanding. Um, I don't know about you, I'm trying to do that. I'm trying not to have fear, trying to be bold, trying to stand firm on what the Bible tells us and what we know to be true about God. But if you're like me, after a while, doing that over and over all the time starts to feel like work. It starts to feel like a striving to to keep the fear at bay. Um, my goal today is not to talk to the fear because other people are out there doing that very well. But I believe that what we do talk about today will equip you to do it anyway. Um, But not in a way that feels like work, rather in a way that feels more like liberating, freeing way to deal with everything we're dealing with right now. We're in the middle of a study series, a sermon series for Lent called The Seven Last Words of Christ. And it refers to the seven comments that Jesus made from the cross that are recorded in Scripture among the different uh, Gospels, comments he made before he died. 
nearing the end of the series, so as we're getting to the comments Jesus made, as the pain and the exhaustion of this process became greater for him. I don't know if you've ever read a detailed description of what crucifixion entails, but it's not pretty. Um, Death by crucifixion was an incredibly brutal way to die. Even before Jesus was nailed to the cross, and that been bad enough, even before that, he was beaten to the point of bleeding. He was forced to carry his cross until he couldn't take another step with it, and someone else had to carry it for him. He endured the shame of all of this playing out publicly. Then he was nailed to the cross, lifted up to start the long, slow process of death by suffocation, which took several hours to happen. Earlier Sundays in this series looked at some of the comments he made, like forgiveness of others, like uh, words of comfort to one of the thieves that was being crucified with him, and words to the Apostle John about taking care of his, Jesus' mother. But now Jesus is getting close to death. And in the intense pain that he was experiencing, not just the physical pain of everything I just described, but also the spiritual pain, the spiritual weight of holding all of the sin, past, present, future of all the world on him at that moment. The weight of this was beginning to to affect him. And it shows in the comments that he made. Last week, we focused on the comment that he made, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This week, we have two short verses that also reflect what Jesus was experiencing as this process was coming to an end. It's John 19, verses 28 and 29. Verse 28, later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And that's God's word for God's people. What happens right after this, and what we'll hear about next week, is Jesus breathed his final breath. Every phrase, every word in the Bible has meaning and intention. And this short passage is no exception. It mentions the hyssop plant. Hyssop was an ancient herb that had a bushy head and a long stalk. This is not actually hyssop. This is Georgia collard greens. came from my garden, and it went to flower recently, so I had to pull them all up. But it looks similar to the picture of hyssop that I found online. The first reference to hyssop in the Bible happens when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. And all of the plagues had been playing out, but Pharaoh wouldn't let them go. Then it came to the last, final, and most severe plague of all, which was going to be the death of the firstborn in the whole country. So what God told the people to do is to take the end of a hyssop plant, dip it in the blood of a lamb, and spread it across the doorpost of their homes. And that way, when the angel of death came through the, the land, it would be spared. 
the blood of the Lamb protected them against death. And hyssop showing up in this passage is a, is a reflection of that. It's symbolic of how Jesus is the Lamb and how his blood protects all of us from the death that we would have had from our sin if he hadn't made that sacrifice. It also mentions wine vinegar. And that was just cheap, sour wine that the soldiers who happened to be there had in their possession. They had to be there to make sure that people didn't help those who were being crucified. Psalm 69.21 prophesied that Jesus would be given sour wine or vinegar to drink. There's symbolism there as well. But the central phrase of this passage is when Jesus said, I'm thirsty. And as a man in his humanness, that's not surprising. It it was a very arid region to begin with, plus with everything that he had been through with blood loss and and dehydration, it's no, no surprise that he would admit to being thirsty. But we also know that Jesus is God. And to consider how the God of the universe, the all powerful God of the universe, was hanging on a cross describing his thirst, it's kind of hard to fathom. God, as we know, has no needs, and yet he's there saying he was thirsty. Jesus, however, was 100% man and 100% God. It's hard to make sense of that sometimes, but a few weeks ago, Brent Ritter preached about that, and he had a beautiful illustration about how he himself is 100% the son of his parents. At the same time, he's 100% the husband of his wife, Kelly. He's both. And in the same way, Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. As a man, when he says that he is thirsty, he's talking about his physical need. But as God, when he says he's thirsty, he's talking about his spiritual desire. So what is God thirsty for? What is God's desire? If you go back a couple of chapters in John to John 17, we see Jesus praying. And he first prays for himself because he knows what he's about to endure. And then he prays for the disciples that are with him at the time. And then after that, he prays for future believers, including us. And in that prayer, he prays for protection, not removal from the earth's difficulties, but protection against the the influence and, and work of the enemy as we encounter those difficulties. But even more importantly, he prays for relationship. He wants us to be with him in relationship, past, present, and future. He, he prays for us to see his glory, not just in the midst of the circumstances and things that we deal with now, but his future glory that will come one day. And he prays for us to experience the fullness of God, not just a casual relationship, but a full, intimate, and immersive relationship with God. That is what God desires. And it was that desire to see that happen that motivated him to endure what he did on the cross, to make that, make that relationship possible with us. Thirst is an interesting thing. Physically, we experience it as dryness of the mouth, and that tells us we need fluids. But it can also, recur, it can also refer to any kind of 
of significant craving or longing, like a thirst for knowledge or a thirst for recognition. All animals experience the physical sensation of thirst, but human beings were created in God's image. And as such, we have a physical self like the animals do, but we have a spiritual side like our Heavenly Father does and like Jesus did. We have both the physical and the spiritual. And if we look at Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2, the writer of the psalm draws a comparison between the two. He says this, verse 1, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? And then Psalm 143, 6 says, I spread out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Do you hear the imagery in all of that? He's not just saying, yeah, I could use a drink. He's saying, my spirit pants like a deer that's, that's dying for water. It's panting. Is our thirst for God to that level? And then he says it's like a parched land. With all the recent rain, we've maybe forgotten what drought looks like, but we've gone through some significant droughts in the last few years where the ground and the grass and everything was just so dry. That's what it's like for us, our need for God. It's that much of a desperate desire and need for God. Just like Jesus had a deep hunger and thirst and craving, a desire for intimacy and relationship with us, which took him to the cross, we have a deep longing and craving within us for intimacy and relationship with God. And anytime we try and satisfy that with anything other than God, it doesn't end well. That's the first mistake we can make. The second mistake is to minimize the significance of that need for our spirit and to imagine that just a casual or surface relationship with God is sufficient to meet that need. Psalm 107 verse 9 says, He satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Matthew 5, 6, this is a familiar one, says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And in John 4, if you remember Jesus talking to woman at the well, he describes how he offers living water. And the woman asks him what that means. And he tells her that this kind of water, when you have it, you never thirst again. Jesus supplies and provides that for us. God contains everything we need. The longing, the desire, the thirst of our soul and the spirit, it's for the things of God. And it's far more significant than even the physical thirst. God satisfies. This past fall, I served as a community coach for the cross-country team at Noonan High School. And as a physician, which is my day job, I often speak to them about medical aspects of their training, like how to prevent injuries or the importance of getting enough sleep and and their nutrition. And I do talk to them about hydration and um, they pretty much all know that Coach Jackson's motto, it's that you drink water till you pee water. I don't know if I can say that in church. I just did. I guess it can be edited out if that was a problem. But one thing that's interesting about thirst 
is that it's different from hunger. With hunger, when our blood sugar starts to drop, the brain can sense that very quickly, and things change very quickly. We get physically hungry or hangry in some cases, and that lets us know that we need to eat and get the blood sugar back up. Thirst doesn't work quite so well. The brain cannot sense it in the same way that can't the blood sugar. So by the time the brain actually perceives that, that there's that thirsty feeling that you are aware of, the body is already on the road to dehydration. With cross-country, that's why I encourage the runners to continually hydrate. Don't wait until you feel thirsty. You have to be hydrating all the time. In the same way, we need to routinely fill ourselves with the things of God because by the time we notice that we're spiritually dry, spiritually thirsty, our need is already much greater than we realized. So how do we get there? How do we fill ourselves with the things of God? I've got another pearls before swine for you. We'll go to that. I've now studied all the ancient texts, religions, and philosophies to determine the key to happiness. And Goat asks, and what have you found? And Pig shows him, get off the internet. Ironically, I used it for all my research. And the problem is, we can make our pursuit of God too complicated to where it starts to feel like striving, like work but it's a whole lot easier than we make it. So what can we do to fill ourselves with the things of God? Here's an easy one. Go outside. Get off the internet, like they just said. Here's a fact. Coronavirus does not just sit in the air, so it's safe outdoors. You got to maintain your six feet and make sure the people around you are covering their coughs and sneezes. Keep your hands clean, but the air is safe. Um, Pollen's in the air. That'll jack you up. You got to watch out for that. But coronavirus is not in the air. Go outside. It will do a lot of things for you that you may not realize that God intended. It gives you vitamin D from sunlight that builds your immune system. It helps in weight control, actually, and it elevates mood. Believers routinely notice that they feel closer to God and they're outdoors in creation. Well, there's a reason for that. Romans 1 talks about how even those who don't believe in God ought to understand that God exists when they look at the created world. God poured so much of himself into it that we feel his presence when we're in it. Um, A few days ago, my teenage daughters and I, my wife was out of town. We went to Chattahoochee Bend with the dog and we went hiking down to the river and uh, up in down the trails in the woods, and it was incredible. And they mentioned several times later that day what an awesome day it was to get out and do that. God designed it for that. Um, In the last few days, I've had two conversations with neighbors because of everything that's going on, and we're home and outdoors. Um, These are one family across the street from me and one right next to him. I hadn't talked to him in months. And we've had conversations in the last couple of days. I want to show another pearls before swine to mention the next thing. And Goat's talking. Hey, rat, it's me, Goat. Listen, my car broke down and I'm stranded in the middle of nowhere. Can you help me? And Rat answers, sure. I'm sending you thoughts and prayers. 
it's so much easier than getting up. I have to admit, one of the reasons I like this cartoon strip is that they skewer uh, Christianity for some stuff that we actually do, and they nail us on it. But one thing that is very important for us to do is to serve others, to not just sit there, to not just say thoughts and prayers, to actually put motion to our intention. Serving is important. Right now, that may take the form of reaching out to a neighbor, perhaps someone who's older, who's got medical issues and puts them at higher risk. Um, If you go into the grocery store anyway, call to check on them and ask them if there's something you can get for them while you're out. We have a family near us whose daughter has been through some pretty serious medical issues. And so a few days ago, I called them and asked if there was anything that I could get for them. And they didn't need anything at the time. But in her reply, the mom mentioned twice how much it meant to her that I offered. And uh, even though they didn't take me up on the offer, just being available for them felt good. Serving others makes us feel good. It satisfies our soul. Why? Because God intended that. The Bible says we were created for good works. When we are fulfilling our creational intent, we are blessed. We are filled with the things of God. It's kind of like a pipe. A pipe like this can convey water from one place to another, but on the inside, the pipe gets wet. In the same way for us, we may be the vessel through which God moves in our service, but as we convey those things of God, we get to experience them too. Another thing is worship, which could be private or corporate. I'm not sure where this falls, but it's something, some blend of that. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You cannot be in God's presence and not be filled and blessed and changed. Although worship can happen in any given moment, and it does need to happen spontaneously in all settings, there, are, there needs to be an intentional time when we seek God's presence as well. And that may take several forms. And there are specific things we can do to get there, to create that moment. We can light a candle, put on music, watch something online, read a devotional, change our posture, maybe on your knees, change your environment, go outside, read a verse, and then pause to see what God would have you realize about that verse, how to apply it. And let's be honest, we have more time to do this now than we usually do. So do it. Draw near to God and watch Him draw near to you. And one other thing, connect with God's people. It's amazing how God's power and God's presence flows when we start connecting with each other and when we come together as as fellow believers. Uh, right now, with everything going on, we have to be more creative about how that happens, but God honors those efforts. I work for the largest healthcare system in Georgia, and last year I moved into a leadership position. So, as you can imagine, in the last couple of weeks, I've been very involved with my company's response to coronavirus. And frankly, um, there have been some times where it's been pretty exhausting. I'm still seeing all my own patients. I had to send a colleague home uh, this past week because she was sick, so helping cover her patients. More emails than I've ever dealt with in my life. 
um, daily changes in the policies and protocols that we have to follow, sometimes twice a day phone conferences. It's been a lot. And um, at the same time, I've been making some contacts, and I've met other people who do what I do for the organization who are like-minded believers. And um, on Thursday morning, a couple of days ago, I woke up, and honestly, I felt like pig in that first strip. I just wanted to go back under the covers and not deal with it anymore. And I knew that some of these other people, these three others in particular, um, were feeling the same way. I'd heard the exhaustion in their voice. And as I was getting ready, God formed a prayer in my heart, and I felt like I was supposed to make it into a text and send it to the three of them, share it with them. And in the prayer, it was things like asking for wisdom to make the right choices, endurance for everything that we're having to do right now, um, protection for us and our families, and and especially that we could have a peace from God that would overflow through us and bless anyone that we were dealing with and working with. And so I wrote that out in a text and I sent it out. And all of them texted back that they appreciated that. And one in particular, a few minutes later, sent a screenshot of a picture she had done. And she had taken the elements of my prayer and created a visual all those different elements in it. And it was amazing to see what she had done with it. And I thought for a moment, and I texted her back, and I said, I'm guessing that God sometimes gives you visions. And she texted back, yes, with a smile. It was an amazing moment. And after doing that and receiving that back, I was good. I was not thirsty, discouraged, or anything like that. It may have come back later in the day, but for the time being, it was awesome. Um, All of these things that we're talking about, going outside, worship, being in the presence of other believers, serving others, all of these things bring us into the presence with God and fill us with His presence. And we need that. We have to have that. St. Augustine said, Oh God, Our heart is restless until it finds its rest in Thee. God has what we need. Nothing else satisfies. And Paul, in Philippians 3.10, while he was in prison, wrote, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. Paul was hungry and thirsty for God, and God honored that for him. Do you hunger and thirst relationship with God? Because I guarantee you God hungers and thirsts for that relationship with you. That's why he suffered on the cross, to make it possible. I want to read one final passage. This is John 7, verses 37 through 39. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said, in a loud voice. We don't see Jesus talking in a loud voice very often, but he wanted to make sure that as many people as possible heard what he was about to say. And he said this, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, Streams of living water 
will flow from within him. And verse 39 says, By this he meant the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. And we're the recipients of that. We're later. We've received it. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And streams of living water will flow from within him, not just to satisfy our own need, but so that others can be blessed from the overflow that comes from us.